In this episode, we go into part two of the Curse of Strahd miniseries, so stay tuned. If you're enjoying these episodes, first, I want to thank you for your listenership. Your support means the world to me. And for those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And after this episode, leave us an honest review. Hopefully, it's a five-star review, but leave us an honest review. Your reviews actually help me um, gauge what you all want in the audience, but your reviews, especially when they're a five-star, help the channel grow. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave that review. Hey folks, so today's episode is going to be part two of what you need to know about Curse of Strahd. If you um, listened to the first part, you know that I kind of spoke about what Curse of Strahd is, how it was created, um, and what to really expect from Curse of Strahd from a dungeon master and a game master perspective, um, also from a player perspective. But in this episode, I'm going to kind of go through the details of Curse of Strahd going by each chapter. So without further ado, let's begin. The first part of Curse of Strahd, introduction in chapter one, it's titled Into the Mists. It's about 20 pages or so, and it's an intro to the book, right? It's an intro to Curse of Strahd as a book and the themes and the mood of the campaign. Uh, the page count reaches uh, what it, you know, reaches the audience. And what it does um, is that it tells the audience out there, whoever the reader is, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what you should be um, considering going into this. It does conduct, uh, it does have a little bit of discussion on how to conduct the tarot card reading uh, for the characters to seed uh, some of the plot points, right? So, there is a little bit of that. Now, personally, I that's one of the aspects of the um, game I'm. I don't necessarily like too much for a couple of reasons. I believe the whole, you know, honestly, I don't think it's necessary to have the whole tarot card reading. You could, as a game master, there's a better way to do it, but because it's a goth horror theme, you know, they believe that that was important. In my opinion, the whole got you know the tarot card reading and the goth horror don't really go together personally, because um, goth horror is really exclusive in that regard. It do, it doesn't rely upon that. It just you honestly could do better with just like the fates have brought you. I would mostly use the fates, or I would use some you know form of the fates if that makes sense and again tarot card readings like you could use that but personally i don't know i just don't it, it's it's good but it's i don't think from a world building perspective it was the best but that's just that's my first little you know gripe so to speak on the topic but moving forward you go to chapter two chapter two it's titled the lands of barovia again about 20 pages and it covers the general layout of the land so it all it talks about the effects on magic how the mist around there prevents anyone from leaving barovia and that sometimes you know the soulless and emotionless um nature of the of that plane of existence that you know demi plane so to speak it's kind of random and it spurs uh random encounters so 
from a dungeon master perspective, this is going to give you your boundaries. It's going to show you how magic works in that demi plane, what the effects of that magic are, right? So if you start to have players who are casting, you know, clerical spells, so to speak, right? If if they are casting, you know, don't, you know, light domain spells, you may have to review it to see what the effect is because mechanically speaking it may work theoretically speaking it may not work because you are in a demi plane that's controlled by strahd so if it's controlled by strahd then the uh, the gods you know of the celestial plane may or may not be able to intercede through that uh, demi-plane known as Barovia, so to speak. So that's something to consider. I think that's a really great world-building and role-playing kind of um, tool that, that the Dungeon Master can use. I really like that about it. And I like the whole random encounters due to the mist. Um, the mist, quote-unquote, is something, like I said, it prevents anyone from leaving Barovia. Reminds me of actually the mist that you read about in the Percy Jackson series. If you haven't read the Percy Jackson series, I'd highly recommend it. But the mist is something that controls the morals and the half-bloods, as it's called in the in the series. And it kind of controls what they see, what they do. It, it controls a lot. So this is kind of what the that mist is reminding me of um, in this chapter. But again good chapter. It's going to provide a guide. It's going to provide you probably a guide to the map, which again, it's, it's, it's in a smaller form, but it's still, um, it's still good. That, that, that would be your best bet to look at your maps during that time. Have those maps out while you're reading it. Chapter three, it's the village of Barovia. So 10 pages or so, again, give or take, um, the village is most likely going to be your starting point for any new visitors to Barovia. So basically, those who are coming into uh, Barovia and kind of, you know, traveling there. And it's really just the required starting point. That's where I say it's a little sandboxy, right? It's kind of like, hey, this is where you're at. This is where you're starting, um, especially if you if the characters aren't third level. Um, that is going to be the introduction to the demi plane, and it's going to lay out a lot of plot hooks. So that you know, so whether it's the per the the player character plot hooks, Strahd's quote unquote romantic obsession, which uh, with like one of the town's residents, which quite frankly it's creepy, uh, <laughs> but. It is one of the plot hooks. You know, we all kind of understand that it's one of the plot hooks. So it's creepy as hell, but it works. And I think that creepiness works in this regard because the players are like, what the hell's going on? Like, you know, what, <laughs> what is this person doing? And it may kind of raise a bit of an alarm within um, the own players group dynamic. They may say, huh. This is something that we should be looking out for. But within that same village of Barovia, so to speak, you have the famous Death House. That's another 10 pages. And the Death House is actually a really fun like mini-adventure. I've spoken about it before with my friend uh, from Ancient Lair. Check out that episode if you haven't. Where we talk about, uh, and actually I talked about this with uh, Chris from D&D &D Dads. Another great episode you should talk about. 
where the death house is one of those adventures that you can pretty much copy and paste into any uh, module into any homebrew campaign I, I would prefer a homebrew campaign but the death house is the introductory like adventure kind of encounter right um, and, it, and it's one of those things that if your players aren't third level this is a great way for them to hit third level um, throughout the adventure because again you're using milestones you're not using you're not using experience points in this adventure so you'll use milestones and you'll go through two levels uh, of milestone ed, uh, leveling through this and again this can be completed in one session that's definitely not a problem but if you need to you could take you could kind of break it up and it takes in place entirely in one mansion in Barovia again it's kind of like a fun house but because it's a goth horror theme, it's called the Death House. And for some reason, the characters are drawn to the mansion by an, like an apparition type. And they must discover the house's secrets. So it's going to serve really well to set a thematic, like this kind of thematic sense of goth horror in the campaign. It kind of introduces that pretty quickly. And if I'm not mistaken... Um, one of the things that I would say without, you know, necessarily giving away too much is that it's going to introduce the concept of, quote unquote, the right thing in Barovia. Uh, and the concept that the right thing in Barovia does not make one's life easy. That's kind of like the moral conundrum that one faces in this game. From there, we're going to go to the old uh, bone grinder chapter it's about five pages nothing too crazy um, but it's a windmill that lies on the road between the village of barovia and, and basically anywhere else like most likely the characters the pcs are going to have a chance to meet uh, their first group of the vistani now spoiler alert the newest edition of curse of Strahd have they've restructured the vistani so um, what I'm talking about is the original Curse of Strahd for 5th edition that came out before the revision. So there's going to be there, there's going to be some um, and the reason why actually and the reason I'm mentioning this, the revision was made because there were some racial um, inadequacies, but also misrepresentations, um, to say the least, about the Vistani people. Now, I've only played Curse of Strahd once, and I have to double check. I'm not doubting that there was any type of racial and you know inadequacies or any really just misconceptions. I'm not doubting it, but because I didn't read it myself, I haven't read it. And you know, I've read this about. I've played it once, read it twice, to be quite honest with you. And just the way my brain works, I need to read it again with the scope and lens of seeing what the Vistani people are that's just the way you know my mind works especially as um, a, his, a classically trained historian that's just how my mind works so I'm neither going to confirm nor deny the fact that there was that um, sense of urgency to change and to revise Curse of Strahd but because I haven't done my proper research on it focusing on that 
just again, this is just all a disclaimer. I don't I, I, I don't want to claim anything or deny anything. But with that long disclaimer out the way, this is your first encounter with the Vistani. And you have your fortunes read, and you have the option to head directly to, Cas uh, to Castle Ravenloft. That's the cool thing about this adventure. You have the option to just directly head there. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't care who you are. Don't recommend it. That would probably... Um, that would probably be bad, and unless like you know, you as a game master or dungeon master have a solid plan. Um, I mean, like one hundred and ten percent solid to be able to retreat. I wouldn't even do it. I wouldn't even encourage it. But anyway, the windmills come up in the death house. They talk about it. It's a plot hook um, that's related to the residents, and um, I think honestly that the the pcs will end up hitting that old bone grinder while on the road to valaki which again it's covered in uh chapter five and again this location is a fairly straightforward kind of quote-unquote kill the evil bad creature thing encounter um if they are up to taking on the inhabitants like that's just kind of straight up what it is but anyway I mentioned the town of, of Velaki. So the town of Velaki, it's about 30 pages. It comes with a pretty cool map. It says, you know, it talks about uh, Lake Zarovich, uh, the old Savlich Road. It talks about, it, it kind of shows everything. Um, and again, it's it's a really well done map. It's really pretty, really well done. Art, artistry is really nice. You know, just kind of talking about that a little bit. But the town of Velaki, um, it is 30 pages. It's pretty much, I don't want to say infused. I don't know what, maybe suffused would be the right word um, with evil. But it's kind of like mundane. It's really just boring. But it's also supernatural. It's kind of eerie. It's, it's I don't want to say it's, it's like Stephen King. It's like it. It's, it's kind of like that. Where it's evil and supernatural. And creepy, but it kind of, it's just like, oh, it's just this kind of boring ass town, so to speak. Pardon the language, but that's kind of what it feels like. Um, you'll notice, though, that the mayor is a tyrant, but you, but you won't really know that because the characters are kind of set up to not be on his bad side, right? Um, they won't, you, like, you won't get far enough to be on his bad side because one you're not powerful enough and two it's just kind of designed where you're not going to do anything to be on his bad side now obviously we have kind of free will with the players right the players can try to do something but it's really designed where that's the least of your worries and it really doesn't come out that way so again spoiler warning but you're not powerful enough to take on the mayor or to overthrow him, which again turns out like only makes matters worse if you overthrow him. And again, going back to that big spoiler warning, um, that it's it's kind of a you're cursed if you do, you cursed if you don't, so to speak. Um, and there's a lot to do in Velaki, really. Um, it's a destination in its own right and its own way, but it's not. Uh, it's not like a leaping point. It's not kind of. It's not like in the Forgotten Realms where you 
in other adventures rather, right, where you can go to Waterdeep, and that's a leaping point to anywhere else. It's not, it's not like that. This is just kind of, it's a big town, so to speak, but mm, nothing, it's, it's not going to have you go on all these adventures in, uh, in Barovia. This is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, the party will, the party will be involved, but the, the, the mystery, the evil, the supernatural, even the politics, right, of kind of being outsiders, not being from Barovia, is going to be introduced in this chapter, and you'll see it in the NPCs, and um, you'll see it in the Vistani camp, <clears throat> excuse me, that you enter beforehand and after and afterward. From there, you go into the village of Kresk. Kresk? I don't know. I, I, I always mess up the pronunciation of this, so I apologize. But you initially go into this village, and you're going to, you know, you're going to go into this sort of atmosphere where you're going to be fulfilling a quest, and that you have to complete the, the quest which drives them to the winery of wizards which again it's it it kind of is that sandboxy feel that you're going to be driven to these uh locations and you get to access certain things including this village of kresk again i'm butchering the pronunciation so uh pardon me and the players are going to mainly interact with the abbey of saint markovia which this is where the location is. This is kind of like your waypoint for the Abbey of St. Markovia. Um, and they have to contend with, you know, someone insane abbot and the freak show that is the abbot or, or, you know, the abbey rather. So as much of this campaign, um, Kresk features like a lot of adventure hooks, but it also features... Um, the quote-unquote things to do list right i like y'all have probably heard me say this before the things to do list is kind of like the goals and the things that you as players want to do or as the dungeon master wants you to do so it goes into that i mentioned the wizards of wines as well or the the winery of wizards or whatever well that is kind of one of the that is one of the plot points that brings joy to the people right it's something that if you do this plot point you're going to make the people the npcs of barovia happy and it's because it's one of the few joys that the people of barovia have in the story so you know there's been a magic that's been permitted uh to allow the grapes to grow and something has happened that they've been stolen so it's like a magical gem or something like that that's been stolen or some magic item right and it's been stolen and again straightforward to the point part of the campaign the the vinters uh or the vintners excuse me are like good people like they're clearly the quote-unquote good people and their enemies are clearly the bad people so you basically restored that balance and if your players choose to as a dungeon master i would give them you know a little bit of you know, let them score a little bit of like brownie points, so to speak. That's one thing. And again, that's one thing in this campaign you'll notice a lot. 
certain um, certain quests are straightforward, and certain quests are not. The ones that are straightforward are pretty much straightforward, but they're designed to make the players think if this thing is straightforward or not. So that's where I kind of think, huh, it's a really good part of the game design where you're making your players constantly doubt or constantly think what's going to happen. Now, again, these are heavy spoilers. This game has this module has been out for a very long time. So I apologize for anyone who is listening to this and gets it spoiled. However, I will warn you, if you're going to play this game, don't even listen to the don't even listen to this episode just yet. But again, spoiler warning. And I'm going to be doing this and, you know, I'm going to insert the spoiler warning throughout the episode. So bear with me. Anyway, moving on, we go into Yester Hill, which is, I believe, chapter 14. And it's a straightforward kind of like smash and grab. And and I, I don't want to say straightforward in the sense of a traditional smash and grab. I, I You know, it's just it's straightforward, though. The players head straight from the wizards or the uh, the wizard winery, so to speak, to Yesterhill. And they recover the first missing magic item. And. Yester Hill is populated by a circle of evil druids who are creepy as hell. Let's just be honest. Now, from there, and I'm going, and I'm jumping through chapters. I'm not going one chapter to another chapter to another chapter. You know, I'm not going one, two, three, four, five. I'm jumping around. And the the reason I'm jumping around is with Curse of Strahd, the progression is not as linear as one would think. You have to jump around. The way it was written, like, the way I'm explaining it, it's written more from, like, okay, you go to the first village, and then you're led to this quest. But that quest is on, like, chapter, you know, 5 or 10, and then you go back to chapter 7. And then you jump to chapter 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not... You're not necessarily having this linear progression, which I actually like that about the Curse of Strahd. <laughs> the beautiful thing about Curse of Strahd is the fact that you can jump around and do different things. Again, I might sound weird, but I'm the type of guy that likes to do side quests before I hit the main quest in a video game. So, you know, that's something to consider. It could be good or bad. But moving forward, you go to Von Richen's Tower. It's about five pages, and it's a, it's basically a way station. It's like a checkpoint. Um, and allows the characters to discover an ally and gather intel on Strahd or Barovia or both. Whatever you want, really. And to some extent, it's kind of a giant puzzle. It's I would say it's a bit of a puzzle. And it's one of those places where, like, low-level player characters, um, they y'all can probably get yourselves killed if you're not cautious enough. But it's, you know, it's in the road. It's kind of between Velaki and Kreshk. So I would say, as a dungeon master, warn them. Warn them. Warn your players. Whatever you got to do. But warn them. 
Moving on from there, there's like a fortress type home um, where it's home to remnants of like an old knightly order, but it is one that the players uh, can help restore the honor of. So I will say the success of the mission will have significant benefits to the characters and it requires venturing into Castle Ravenloft itself. But this fortress, um, and I actually don't, it's Argen, Argen Volstolt. I don't, again, I'm killing these pronunciations. <laughs> but the fortress ties to other locations, and much of the action takes place, like, everywhere else. So it just exemplifies the interconnection or interconnectivity um, between all the subplots, all the locations in Barovia, all that cool stuff. So, like, when you discover this, you may not be leveled, you know, enough or properly to to do this. So, anyway, going from there, Werewolf of Den, or the Werewolf Den. That is basically, and this is where I'm going to stop for this episode. The Werewolf Den, Chapter 15, about five pages, is connected to what I just mentioned that the the fortress of the knightly order and it's on the opposite end of the spectrum right the knightly order if you restore it there's a lot of positive benefits um if you know depending on what you do to the werewolf den there may be some negative consequences and um it really doesn't have it does have some ties but not as big as other areas like the wizard's winery right or the winery of wizards that has a bigger political tie and plot versus the werewolf den and like it's quite literally physically off the corner of the map so yes it's tied to the forgotten realm specific hook for pulling the characters into barovia you know most likely you could probably you know, use that as your plot hook to get the players into Barovia saying, oh, you got to fight these werewolves. So I would say that's how you pretty much go into, you can you can go into uh, Curse of Strahd, into the land of Barovia, but again, it's kind of that opposite spectrum that it may have some negative consequences or you may interpret it as this may not even be tied to the story as much. It's just kind of like a little... You know, a little bit of spice in the whole meal, so to speak. So anyway, that's part two of my Curse of Strahd review and kind of breakdown of the adventure. Be on the lookout for part three where I go into the other chapters and kind of start breaking it down like I have been. Again, I'm not going linear in the progression, but that's just because I see um, how Curse of Strahd does jump from one thing to another and just to go that way. So anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening through there, or on Spotify, or really anywhere that you're leaving um, reviews for your podcast or and consuming your podcast. Those five-star reviews really do help out uh, the channel and help the channel grow. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. But folks, until next time, Keep gaming.